Hi, welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully you'll experience one by the end of this. But the real question today is, is this a podcast or is it cake? I don't know. I kind of hope it's both. Anyway, I've clearly been spending too much time scrolling Twitter, and my guess is so have you. So why don't we both just take a little break for the next hour or so, okay? As always, I'm joined by my producers, Adam Howard and Svea Baron-Reinstein. Okay, podcast gals. Today, we have the incredibly funny actor, comedian, author, podcaster, the list goes on. It's Michael Ian Black. Michael has a super lengthy list of credits and achievements, but one that really sticks out is his time as a commentator on VH1's I Love The series. Okay, if they were going to make an I Love The 2020s, <laughs> what, what do you think people would be nostalgic for i'm sorry to make us we're all 10 years older in no, this no. scenario well, we really good we do <laughs> have an age today. is there anything to feel nostalgic about well i feel like the i mean obviously the second half of decades are always so different from the first half so i'm really right. hoping that we can look back on all the COVID times as mm-hmm. like, oh, wasn't that Cute. weird and horrible? But I do feel like there's also a world in which we're like, hey, remember when we used to go out of our homes? Wasn't that crazy? Right. <laughs> like, remember we used to interact with other human beings? Like, that was cool. Oh, so Yeah, I feel like we're definitely all of that. Yeah. Oh. And I feel like we're definitely going to be nostalgic for like trees and winter, <laughs> <Season>. democracy. <laughs> oh, no. You know. We did so much talking about the the influenza from 1918, 1919 that like, and it, we, and we talked about that. Like we knew what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> How are people going to talk about this pandemic? Will people talk about Oh, That's it? an interesting question. Cause the conspiracy theories, I feel like there's going to be people who are just like, there was no pandemic. <laughs> there was no pandemic. That's ridiculous. That would never happen. <laughs> like what? Am I going to be old and looking? I am. No, that's never mind. I answered my <laughs> own question. Stop. I'm going to be old. Yes, you'll be old. Stop. Yes, I'm going to be old. And I'm going to look back on this time and go, remember when you all stayed home and we all, <laughs> we all started podcasts. And computers and we started our podcast <laughs> and it's still going strong. Because <laughs> I'll still be doing it when I'm 110. Uh-huh. And my kids will go, mom, oh my God, why do you live in the past? And I'll go, it was the happiest time of my life <laughs> being with uh-huh. you. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to miss soft pants all the time. I'm going to, I don't like hard pants. And that's the only thing I'm going to talk about in the next, for 10 years. <laughs> Getting our waistbands back. The decade of soft pants. <laughs> it really was. I'm looking at fashions today. And we have a soft pant uh, Anyways, everything is soft and wild <laughs> colors, and I don't know where we're at as a, as a people. Hmm. So, should we talk to Michael? Yes, let's see if he has Maybe any ideas. <laughs> All right, okay, don't go anywhere because we have Michael Ian Black coming right up. Joining me today is someone who truly does it all, Michael Ian Black. Michael is a founding member of numerous sketch comedy groups, including The State and Stella, and he starred in the Wet Hot American Summer franchise, The Jim Gaffigan Show, and Another Period. You also know him from Ed, Reno 911, and this is 40. He's a prolific writer for both kids and adults. He's written a dozen books, including A Better Man, Naval gazing and a child's first book of Trump. And to outdo us all, he also hosts multiple podcasts, including How to Be Amazing, Mike and Tom Eat Snacks, and Obscure. I just have the one podcast, but I'm so delighted he could join me on it. Please welcome to the show, Michael Ian Black. Wow, you look amazing. Look Thanks. at this. You're like in a solarium, you have cool shades <laughs> on. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty incredible here in sultry Savannah, Georgia. Just incredible. Wait, where are you? Sultry Savannah, Georgia. That's where I live. Sultry Savannah. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Yeah. All those green leaves behind you. Yeah. And what, now what accent was that? Was that Icelandic? Yeah, that was my Icelandic. <laughs> I, <laughs> of course it was. 
Doesn't everybody just naturally just like just <laughs> you know what? I just do so many accents. They just no, I know, no, you're just very gifted at mimicry. Just, like really gifted. <laughs> it is nice to see you. It's and you. nice to see you in like kind of like real life. And in an in an informal setting. We've met, you know, virtually a couple of times, but never like actually but physically in person? Not to my we? knowledge. I don't think so either. Like maybe in passing at some gala, you know, yeah. something. That's <laughs> unlikely. From my from my end, it's unlikely. Oh, I was yeah. at a no, gala. It's, no. And if I was at a gala, I was probably crying in the bathroom or something, like trying to sign a hide for people and <laughs> trying to just avoid absolutely everybody. Well, I'm happy to see you. And you. Let's just dive right in. All right. Okay. So we're seeing each other in person, sort of. That's right. I see you so much on Twitter. I see you so much on Twitter. That's how I feel like I know you. Well, that's you know because, I mean? Samantha, I'm unemployed. So I have a lot of time <laughs> to peruse the social media and make biting social commentary. Biting. Biting. Yeah. Are you so excited that Elon Musk is now, he's <laughs> just going to make some, I think, really serious and wonderful uh, changes, just like... I mean, really I'm positive. To, I'm trying to figure out how I feel about Elon Musk. Okay, tell me. I'm, I mean, right, right as we speak now, I'm trying to figure it out because I feel like <laughs> I feel like the my instinct should be to just absolutely think he's a douchebag, and I sure. he absolutely does douchey things, no yes. question about it. Yeah, but at the same time, he's not all bad. He's, he's not, an innovator of. Yeah. Great cars. Well, I have one of his cars. Do you? Okay. I have the, the, the cheapy one, and it's the best car I've ever owned. Huh. Okay. Not even not even close. Um, I have one of his rocket ships. It's the best rocket ship I've ever oh. owned. <laughs> Do you yearn to go to space? We've talked so much on this podcast about my hatred of space. So tell me your impressions. Would you go on a rocket ship? Let, let's, let's, let's backpedal just a we moment. Could back, because we could. Because you said you have a hatred of space. Well, you understand space yes. comprises everything. Okay. I like our corner of space. I mean, it's we don't even have a corner. We don't even have a dust no. moat compared to the enormity of space. That's I why mean, I hate it. I, I just, big. I just can't much. believe you're that myopic. <laughs> I don't yearn to be in space. My theory... But don't you get excited about... Uh, discoveries that get made, and, mm, uh, and, mm. and and don't doesn't doesn't it excite you when NASA puts up the James Webb Space Telescope, mm -hmm, and, the, and, mm -hmm. and and you look and you see pictures of distant galaxies, mm -hmm. and quasars, and pulsars, and 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 you realize like this this stuff is all just out there, and, and we can see pictures of it. It's exciting. No, it's ugly. No, doesn't I do don't a thing know. for you. I know. I appreciate the existence of space. I appreciate being a speck. I just think it probably smells like cabbage, and I don't want to go there. I don't well, want to go that. there. I mean, it's just, it's too much. What if you could go for like a week? And let's say, no. let's say, let's say the moon had kind of a high end, four season y thing. <laughs> okay. Where you know, there's a spa, there's a very good restaurant, yeah. and then you, you wake up yeah. and your shades go up and there's earth, you know, mm -hmm, and you can, mm -hmm. and you can go into like the zero G room for like treatments, you know, yeah. I just think that would be great. It'd be grand. Well, um, it could be grand. I just need it to be more of a mid-level experience. Like I need so a many Radisson. people to go. I don't, I, it could be a four seasons. Four seasons would be much better than a Radisson for sure. But I need like a lot of people to go there so that there's like a, a strip of hotels. <laughs> I don't want to Right. Be. You want there to be an Applebee's. You want yeah. there, you want yeah. there to be a kind of, uh, mm -hmm. maybe a Chuck E. Cheese for the kids. Yeah. You want to replicate a strip mall on the moon. I want there to be an outlet mall. And I don't necessarily even want to go to it. I just, want, just to want to know, know that the outlet mall can successfully exist <laughs> in space. And then I'm ready to go. I want others to take all the risk for yeah. me. Well, that's fine. But that's not, that's not, that's different than saying I hate space. That's just saying it's yes. scary out there. I need scary. others. To pioneer it, and then yeah. once it's safe and there's an outlet mall, maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go. Maybe when Elon Musk puts an outlet mall 
in space and I can get a Yankee candle out there, I'm not going <laughs> to buy one. I just want to know it's there and it's safe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you know what? Maybe it's a good thing. All right. Okay. Uh, well, I should say, you know, I love your book, A Better Man. Thanks. I'm going to go right into that because I want to talk about it because you and I have a collab happening on mm -hmm. A Better Man and I'm very hopeful about it. So I'm going to tell the audience about it. It's about wrestling with masculinity, like grappling with masculinity. What does that mean in this day and age? So tell us, tell me why you wrote the book for your son. You wrote the book as, for your son. I did. It is a letter to my eldest child, my eldest of two, Yeah. a boy child, now a man child, yeah. 21 years old, 21. 18 when I was writing the book, a senior in high school, and I had penned mm -hmm. an op-ed for the New York Times because of some gun violence that was happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, a publisher said, hey, do you want to expand this into a book? And I said, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I was like, I don't think I'm your guy you know, to do this because I just don't, I just, you know, I don't know anything. You know, I'm just, I'm just a, a, a hilariously funny, very attractive father. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, it's those qualities that uh, meaning more the more the fact that you don't know anything or that you don't pretend to know more than you do, that might make you an appealing choice to write a book that does grapple with this subject. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they offered me a very small contract. And once once they dangle a very small contract in front of me, I'm oh. like, sign me up. Get me. This is, wait, <laughs> this is, so this is a lot of work, like a ton <laughs> of work and like emotional labor. I'm going to yep. really agonize about this for a year, year and a half, maybe yeah. longer and not get paid much. That's right. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> that, was, that was essentially the deal. And, uh, <laughs> So yeah, I wrote a book that is a letter to him, and it does uh, exactly what you just described. It it grapples with what it means to be a guy today. Has he read it? No. Has he? No. <laughs> no. I mean, so funny. He 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 makes noises. He makes murmurings to the right. effect of, and I think this is an exact quote. Well, I read most of it, mm. which leads me to believe he read maybe a chapter. Maybe <laughs> just the the bookends, just the front and the back. If that, if, if that, you know, he's not, he's a nice kid, not a reader and certainly not a reader of, uh, of his father's work. No. Do your kids, do your kids care about what you do at all? Do they, do they no. value? No, they don't. No, 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 no. Not at all. Okay. Do yours? Good. No. Oh, yeah, exactly. God, no. I think actually it upsets that my theory is, and I have said this before on this podcast, I think it upsets the natural order. If your children respect what you do, I agree. And when want to when they want to like emulate you in their life, it's terrible. I I totally agree. I I, I don't. I uh, it has never bothered me, offended me in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. In fact, I I I think I prefer it that there is that they don't they don't care. Yeah, they have to forge their own identity. I yeah. think it's like, must be very hard to live in the shadow of someone. It's much well, better. I cast a very, very short very. shadow. <laughs> as do I. They don't think of me as <laughs> even a professional person. There's no <laughs> respect or thought about the amount of work that I do to make their lives nice. Well, I'm looking at your living room, and it's, it's a nice living room. It's nice. I mean, you got, like, you got regular, you got, it looks like you got coffee table books and everything. I got, I've got a lot of cookbooks on the coffee table because I just got a brand new crop because that's what I like to, that's what I like to read. Oh my God, my wife is poking her head in because I said coffee table books and she loves coffee table books. What? You love, co nice. she loves coffee yeah. table books. These aren't well, really. my wife's an interior designer. So. <gasps> got it. Okay. Okay. So, so it's that's a lot like, of it's a lot of coffee table books around these a parts. A lot. Well, those are gorgeous. I wish I lived a coffee table book life and I probably have a few, but I don't leave them out and if I did, they would 
be like the pages could be stuck together right. all together as one and i would not know it until my death because you would never open i it. would never open it I would, right. they would just be covered with the orange juice that i was fetching for my children <laughs> and they just spilled it all over the book and i know we, we, we page through them we'll, we'll have the coffee table books on. What, we, won't you even drink, through? We, won't, we won't even be drinking coffee there'll be what? there'll be times where we're just we're, we're looking you know the finger to yeah. To flip the page over and, and yeah. commenting on uh, various interiors oh. and expressing opinions about things. Sure. Oh yeah. You're we, just like, look at those, look at those palominos, just like, just like galloping <laughs> across in front of the sunset. Look at their we don't manes. Have, we don't have horsey books. Okay. They're not horsey books. Okay, sorry. They're like Parisian so interior books. Oh, okay. They're like pied a terre. Yes. Look at this, pied a terre. I'm just a regular person with a father who's a billionaire, and I just have this Parisian pied a terre. And you should look how high my ceilings are. I just got lucky. There I was. <laughs> right time, right place, as it happens. It's a lot of that, but it's mostly critical. It's like, oh, look at this trashy. Pied-a-terre that this billionaire's daughter has. Ugh. Has no taste. Do you need to write a sequel book on uh, how to not storm the Capitol? <laughs> do, you, do you need an... A, well, I mean, a, we've seen what happens when people storm the Capitol, and it's not great. Not great. Mm. It's uh, it's mostly kind of a, a sweaty mess mm -hmm. uh, with a, just a lot of people yelling and getting beaten with flagpoles and... And that, you know, yeah. we've seen what happens and it's, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like I need to write a book about that. There's, there's plenty of video to indicate this is probably not a great idea. Probably not a great idea. Probably not a good road to go down. Yeah. I feel that you really open your social media channels to people who want to attack you online. You're very open. Yeah. You seem to have a very open heart. How do you, uh, survive? Do you? <laughs> well, there, I, uh, maybe I could write a book on this. Yeah. But I have a few different strategies. Okay. The first is uh, similar to the way I, I might treat a heckler at a, at a comedy show. Yeah. Which is you can kind of jujitsu him a little bit. Okay. You, you, can, you can sort of, in, you, can, you can treat him with kindness. Okay. That's one way to do it. You could be sort of passively, aggressively supportive of what they're saying. Mm -hmm. That's one way of doing it. Uh, you could engage them sincerely. Right. That's one way of doing it. Rarely do I give them the kind of like negative reinforcement that I feel mm. like they want. I see. Because it's it's pointless. And it's largely pointless to engage them anyway. Uh -huh. But there are times, like for example, if I'm posting something about guns, which I don't do that much these days, um... I will occasionally have a good faith conversation with somebody if I feel like they're willing to have a good faith conversation with somebody, not because I'm trying to change their mind, but mm -hmm. because if anybody's reading it, it might be informative for them. I see. Okay. So you're kind of like Aikido rolling. A little bit. Taking their energy, turning it into something and... and recombining it into something else for someone else. That's what I try to do. And then sometimes I just call them names. Right. But rarely, but rarely. Right. Rarely. Does it, it, do you feel, do you have days where you're like, I feel like engaging with people today, or I yeah. don't know, or just like, ah, I'm not into it today. And of course, I'm not let it, does it ever erode you? Does it, do you ever just walk away and you're like, well, now I'm mad all day? Well, you know what? It really eroded me. This is the only time. Mm -hmm. And I'm giving you a sincere answer here. Oh boy. Is when I don't even remember what I was writing about. But the response was from a prominent right-wing sort of fringy guy, but prominent. Yeah. Responding that I am, am a, 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 a pedophile. <gasps> and that was uh, very upsetting yes. to me for reasons that I'm sure you can imagine. Yes. And it unleashed a torrent of abuse on my page that continues to this day. Really? Less so, but occasionally. And this is before, this is sort of, uh, I feel like right before the floodgates opened where everybody's being called a pedophile. Right. So it felt kind right. of novel. Mm -hmm. you know? And so um, that was like genuinely upsetting to me to the point where I engaged a lawyer about it. Oh, really? 
I talked to a couple different lawyers about it. Yeah. Because it wasn't like he was just saying, you act like a pedophile or you say things like a pedophile. Right. Say. He said, you are. You are. This. And I was like, that's just beyond the pale. That can't be legal to say that, to <laughs> accuse people of It was going to cost me a lot of money to find out whether or not it was legal. I see. Okay. So you got, you, you, you solicited advice mm -hmm. from several different attorneys, and then ultimately you just decided to... Ultimately, I decided there was very little good that could come right. out of it, because what would happen is... I would file a lawsuit yeah. and then that would get picked up in the press of, you know, yeah. comedian files, pedophile lawsuit. And then my name and pedophile are sort of are in inextricably the same. Yeah. linked. And it's like, yes. I, that's exactly what I don't want. Yes. So it, it, that's very difficult. I mean, we're actually, you know, coincidentally, actually, we're going to talk about it on the show this week. We're going to talk about that kind of like that conservative, that fixation mm -hmm. on pedophilia right now. It's, it's, it's out of control. It's completely out of control. But it is true. And I do feel it gives oxygen to a problem to pursue anything legally. Mm -hmm. Isn't it a sort of a weird calculation when you're in the public eye that you kind of have to let people talk about you in a way that you really, really hate? Yeah, and I'm okay with that in general. Uh, but I yeah. found I found out what my line is. I found, I, that was it. I found, found the line it. that I, yeah. I wasn't okay with it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's many things I feel like I've been called. That one rubbed me really the wrong way. Yeah. Well, understandably. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, uh, basically wanting to legalize. Uh, what do you want to call it? Oh, marriage at any age. Marriage at any age. And and, yeah. and once you do that, I mean, that's essentially that is legalizing pedophilia, is it not? Well, taking all of the guardrails off of, of, <laughs> of marriage, like removing any restrictions on the age that you can get married feels like an actual kind of legal progression uh of a really great situation for an actual pedophile. So in our legal system, we're just like being so permissive and mm -hmm. yet running around accusing people of being pro pedophile. I mean, I don't even, I, I can't. It, that one's tough to wrap your head around, right? Really impossible. You can't. And, and who's the, and who's the legislator who's like, I've got an idea for a bill <laughs> that I think I'm just going to type up yeah. and just, just put it out there. And then, and then the party's like, you know what, Bill, this is a pretty good idea. What a darn good idea. Yeah. Here's something I've been mulling in my own <laughs> personal life for 30 to 40 years. My real passion <laughs> Let's is... Let's say I wanted to marry a 10-year-old. Why are we... Why is everybody so up in arms about it? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, do you ever feel like you're... Like, when you put yourself out there like that, when you put yourself out... You know, on social media, and you talk about all this stuff. Do you ever feel like you're putting yourself in jeopardy? I guess I. There are some things I I I feel like I feel like I'm putting myself in jeopardy from time to time. Do you feel that? I mean, you've got a much bigger platform than I do. For now. Well, sure. For now. Look, they're they're not hiring a lot of like fifty year old white guys to host. Uh, <laughs> These things right now. They've got they've, they, <laughs> right. they've got the tenured guys. They're they're fine. Sure, sure, sure. But sure. but folks like me. They're, they're, what I'm saying is, your platform I think is going to remain larger for the foreseeable future than mine. There have been very few times where I felt like I was in any sort of physical danger. I will say that, like after that thing, that incident happened, my aforementioned wife received an email on her work account that was. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was something like an image of somebody pointing a gun like directly at the viewer, you know, basically saying, essentially saying, I'm going to kill you. Sure. And that, you know, freaked her out. Yeah. Understandably so. And she felt unsafe. Yeah. And that was maybe the only time that I felt concerned, not because I felt like we were in any real physical danger, but because mm -hmm. when somebody that you love feels unsafe, that's a problem. Yeah. That's a real yeah. problem. And it's really hard to talk about too, because you also don't want to, you don't want to give people the idea that 
it bothers you. You don't want to give people the idea to do it. Sometimes all it takes is someone knowing that someone else sent you something Mm -hmm. terrible for them to go, well, I could do that. Everyone in Tennessee is marrying a 14 year Like, I could, what about me? I'm over here. I've got this great threat. I want to level it. I realize I could just reach out. I've got memes that I could send. I got all these. I'm such a creative person. Let me do it too. During the uh, first Trump election, I would receive mm, fairly regularly over Twitter, at least, um, images of, they were like cartoons, and there'd be like a dude standing outside a gas chamber and then my face would be like in the gas chamber oh you're in yeah i'm in the gas chamber you're in great and then you know it's and and it's like a cartoon of the guy about to like pull the gas chamber lever on you know the jew yeah so those weren't great but i don't i wouldn't say i felt physically Mm -hmm. threatened by Mm -hmm. them I, Mm -hmm. i i felt dispirited it is dispiriting. Yeah. Do you do you feel like we should all be girding our loins for the inevitable return of Donald J. Trump? I mean, not that he ever went away, really, but he's probably going to come back. I mean. Stronger than ever or on Twitter or. I don't know. I don't. Um, and by the way, I still think there's a P-tape out there, if not numerous ones. I realize that the original whatever, the original story was all worked out, and everyone's like, there isn't, but there is. Come on. I, this guy. I, God, I want there to be one. But at this point, don't you feel like it would only help him? If like the P-tape came out, it would be like, yeah, that's our fucking guy. Yeah, he's got the chicks <laughs> being on Obama's all the back. Chicks are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just know that it would bug him. I just know it would it would only be for me just to feel satisfied that it would that I know that it was bothering him <laughs> that it existed and that we all saw it. Do you think he would win when he runs again? He's going to run. Oh, again. yeah, I do. I mean, no one wants to like everyone. This is a very unpopular thing to say. It's like all the people kind of, you know, all the regular Democrats are like, don't say that as though I'm going to manifest it like right. he came close. He came pretty goddamn close, actually. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we don't think deeply enough about the the margin of that victory. It was not nearly as big as it needed to be. Right. We came really, really close. And we shall come close again, I think. And I am scared. Yeah, any election will be a close election at this point. Mm-hmm. And he does have a cult of personality. Yeah. And and people are very unhappy, which I, which I actually don't really fully understand. I understand people being unhappy about inflation, mm-hmm. but like the economy's going gangbusters, which I mean is causing the inflation, I guess. But unemployment's low. I, I feel like Biden's doing as good a job as anybody could do, like with the Ukraine situation. You know, COVID, I feel like, is in a better place than when the other guy was handling it. Right. Like, I don't know why people are so, I feel like we're on such the wrong track here. Well, I do think that we tend to lose focus on the fact that we have the the attention spans of goldfish. You know how, like, when you're a goldfish and someone feeds you a little flake of your goldfish food and you go god that was good and then they put another flake in and you go oh my god i'm so hungry and then you Mm -hmm. eat the flake and then you just keep eating the flakes like it was the first time you ever saw a flake of food and then you explode and die because you have no attention span i don't really have to imagine myself as a goldfish in that scenario (laughs) like if you put hint of lime tostitos in front of me it's the exact same thing those are so good. And I would eat them floating on the surface of water. <laughs> They're oh, yeah. that good. <laughs> I um, Definitely, I did someone else's podcast. I did. <laughs> wow, what an day. age you are. Isn't wow. that incredible? I mean, my God. And you know, like when they were promoting the podcast, it was offline with John Favreau. So there I am, I'm name dropping. And the quote that they put in it, like when they were like putting it on their socials, it was like Sam B on, you know, life in the political spotlight. And it was like, everyone is bad. I hate everyone was my quote. <laughs> that they promoted the podcast with, you know, but it's true. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, it's, it, you know, it's not a falsehood. No, it's, it's, it's not a falsehood, but you know, I guess that it's just a, 
being in political comedy for so long, he was one of his questions was like, how do you avoid being burnt out? And I was like, I'm critically burnt out. I was burnt out 10 years ago. What are you talking about? Right. That's what I would expect your answer to be. Right. I mean, it's, it, you know, there's such political cynicism. And I think we're not wrong to be cynical politically. Like, who who can rise above that? Who can manage to not be politically cynical? Is there any cause for hope? Like, does anything get you excited? Is Does anything in the political realm provide you with a spark of hope? I mean, I'm asking you to tell me what to be hopeful about, because sometimes I really don't know. Sometimes I really don't know. I'm thinking about it. I mean, you literally in 2012 did a political book with Meg McCain. Like that was a yeah. time when you could imagine reaching across some type of, you know, some type of line. Yeah. To to collaborate. It, it was a book called America, You Sexy Bitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, Megan and I, who, when we didn't know each other really at the time, we just sort yeah. of had a, a very sort of, uh, we barely met and we decided to write a book together. Right. And it was exactly that. It was, let's reach across the political aisle. Let's travel the country. Yeah. Let's see what unites us. And we found a lot. Yeah. And it was when Romney was running against Obama. Right. Mittens. Mittens Romney. Mittens. And at the time, it felt like we were very divided, which is why we wrote the book. Right. And those feel like the halcyon days of yore compared to where we are now. Because it really feels like people do not even want to see any kind of political crossover. Like that's not on the, that's not on the, that's not on the table. No. I think for pretty understandable reasons. And what, what's so upsetting is not so much that there's a political divide because of course there is, and there always has been, and there always will be. And I'm not sure that that's a bad thing. I mean, I think that's a mm-hmm. good thing. That's what you want. You want political tension in any society. Right. That's, that's healthy. But one of the parties has become just a lunatic asylum. Yeah. And it's not just that, although that's bad. It's that those voices are the ones getting most rewarded. Mm-hmm. And so it encourages everybody else in that party to, to join them. The people who are, you know, the quote unquote adults in the room either are incapable of disciplining them, incapable of reining them in, or have no desire to do so. Right. And, 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 and of course, we all understand why it's happening. And if you don't, I'll just say it. It's because the entrenched, um, basically male white power structure, Christian white power structure, feels that they're under threat and assault demographically, and if you just look at the numbers, you would go, well, yeah, that's that's actually true. And there, there's a minority of those people who are basically willing to capsize the shit right. rather than, you know, make space right. uh, for everybody to, to float along. Yeah. And it is capsizing a ship. It's not even flipping a table over. No. It's like, well, I'll fucking sink us all. Yeah. I'll take us all out. And they're fine with it. Yeah, they're totally <laughs> fine with that. <laughs> so that's why that's why it's so imperative that we go to space. This is why we need to make a colony <laughs> of Radisons on the moon. Okay? Just the bipartisan Radisons on the moon. <laughs> Doesn't that sound good? <gasps> that sounds great. I'm rethinking my whole position on space. I will say this. Here's something that gives me some optimism. Okay. Not at the 30,000-foot view, but here on the ground. Here on the ground of sultry Savannah, Georgia, which is a kind of, uh, you know, progressive-ish city Mm -hmm. in a purplish, leaning towards red state. Now, I'm a a Yankee through and through. I just moved south of the Mason-Dixon line, having never thought that would ever be a sentence that would come out of my mouth, but Mm -hmm. it just did, and and I just did. Living in a red state, because I think, you know, and I think it's still basically a red state. I find that talking to people here in Georgia, mm-hmm. there's a kind of civility around most subjects. People, I think, are kind of delicate with each other. And I think it's, and I think it's out of respect. I think people understand, at least here in Savannah, 
Now, maybe it's not like this out in the hinterlands, but at least here, it, there seems to be some agreement that we may have some political disagreements, but we can be neighborly. And I think that's true for most communities. I feel, like most, I feel like most communities, when you're on the ground and you're seeing people at the grocery store, it's generally not as ugly as the media would portray it. That there is still civility here, mostly. You know, then you get your trucker convoys and you get your people waving sure. Nazi flags outside IHOPs or picketing Disney or whatever's happening. And you go, okay, but those are, I think those are still outliers. I don't feel like day to day, most neighbors, most people in communities are communicating in that fashion. Day to day, most of life doesn't really look like my Twitter feed. No. <laughs> Thank God. No. I mean, rarely do you find a guy outside your window with a gas chamber uh, lever sort of smiling it's at you. It's too and hard. It's just, it's, it's a lot difficult. of props. That's a lot of, you've got to have space in your trunk. You've got to be really, <laughs> that's a big, you know. It's a big commitment to the bit. Big commitment to the bit. You've got a tickle trunk that's just like <laughs> yards wide, always with you in case you figure out. Right. Where are you going to set it up? Mm -hmm. So, okay. Well, speaking of political divides, do you think that conservatives will ever have a successful late night show? No. Well, they do. Well, God well they do. Sure. I mean, successful, funny. Sure. I guess the question is, will they ever have a funny one? No, 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 <laughs> no. no. But, no. But, but it's almost by definition, right? Yeah. Because comedy by definition can't be conservative. I mean, by definition, yeah. it's like, you know, comedy when it's working is pushing against a power structure, whatever right. that power structure is. And conservatism by its nature wants to preserve the power structure. So it's, it's hard to laugh with the status quo. You can laugh right. at the status quo, but you know, the people who are like defending the status quo just tend not to be that funny. The like um, Jeff Foxworthy's of the world or whatever, sure. those, you know, they're, they can be funny because they're operating in a kind of, they're sort of talking about cultural mores, mm -hmm. which can be funny, absolutely. And so it feels conservative, even, but it's not expressing a sort of conservative political point of view. Right. But look, if somebody wants me to host one, I'll, I'll, I'll do try. I'll, tr I'll absolutely give it a go. I think I just, there's... I just need the health insurance. I think that there's a, probably like a $50 billion show if someone could just make a conservative. Oh, if you could crack that nut, Late night man. show, if you could crack it, boy, that's that's your money Well, you that's know who came closest. Well, okay, but I guess I mean more like one that is funny to all people. No, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's, it's kind of it's impossible. impossible. It's kind of, it's an impossible mission. But I mean, your show isn't funny to all people and never, never will be. That's true. That's like, true. I, like, I think it's terrible. Oh, yeah, God. Sucks. Oh, oh no. what am what? I doing? Oh, my God. What have we... We can edit this, right? What we have can... we done? <laughs> how do you... Okay, how do you decide what new projects to take on? What checks your boxes? Did you not hear me say at the top of this that I am desperately unemployed? Like, if... Uh, at this point, yeah, it's like... It's, it's hard it's to, like... like hey, are you, are you a college freshman with a student film you need made? <laughs> I'm I available. It's so... <laughs> All right. I, I, I actually have fair. boxes. I actually have three boxes. What are your boxes? Okay. First is, yep. the first box is, and, yep. and it has to really just has to tick one of these boxes. Okay. Will the project pay me a lot of money? Yes. If okay. the answer is yes, then I Good will box. do that project. Yep. If, if it is, if it won't pay me a lot of money, but mm -hmm. I get to work with my friends and have a good time, yep. I'll absolutely do that. Yep. The third box is, and this is why I wrote the book, A Better Man, is does this project scare me? Interesting. And if it does, then I have to like look at that and examine that and go like, okay, what is it about that? Because I have found, mm -hmm. like creatively speaking, mm -hmm. if something is frightening, there's probably a reason why it's scaring you. And right. there's probably a reason to kind of walk towards that fear. Without saying what it is, but I'll tell you after, I have that exact thing happening right now. I'm like, should I do this thing? Like, it's a oh, really? it's like a thing that we I want to ever we're kind of talking about doing it on the show. And I'm like, it really scares me in a way that's mm -hmm. like really personal. Mm -hmm. And I'm really hesitant to do it. And everyone around me because 
you know, even when you're, even when you're like, I mean, you, you've experienced this, I'm sure, even when you're like kind of like running a thing, mm-hmm. you need to be convinced of things. It's not like you necessarily know exactly what direction to take the mm-hmm. whole team. Of course. So everybody's really kind of like pushing me in this one direction to do this one project. And I'm so scared of it. Like, What's scared scaring of, you about it? Because, because it's personal? Because it's, it feels the most, it would, it feels like the most vulnerable thing. It feels like yeah. the most vulnerable thing that, that I would have maybe ever done. And I'm getting not pressure, but everyone's being so encouraging about it. Like they all want to do it. Everybody's like, I'm really excited about this thing. And I think we should really do it. And I'm like, and I'm scared of it for personal reasons. And so I'm going to take what you just said on board and maybe apply mm-hmm. that to my own life. So that's a good box. I don't have that box, but maybe I yeah. should. It's been a good box for me. It really has yeah. been. So the book was a result of that box. Yeah. Another thing that's been a result of that box is kind of re-examining how I do stand-up comedy. Okay. And looking for opportunities to make things a little more personal or go a yeah. little deeper, you know, where, where maybe I wouldn't have necessarily before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's been help. That's been healthy for me. That's really good. Um, starting a secret family. That's another one that like, I was like, I don't know if I should do this. There's all kinds of like problems. Do I have time to right. make, have a second secret family? But you know, honestly, it's one of the best things I've ever done. You know what? Never say no to love. <laughs> <laughs> Having more love in your life right? is always going to benefit you. <laughs> and you want everybody showing up. Like when you're on your deathbed, you want that room to be crowded <laughs> with people who are like fighting over you. It's amazing. <laughs> what a feeling. I think that would feel really good. I think that would feel really good. Well, you know, I I think you're so funny. I really want our project to work out. It would be fun, right? It would be fun. And it would, and, it would and be, it would so be fun. constructive. Constructive and needed. We need to have a conversation about masculinity in this country. Like... <sighs> Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the Twitter conversations I'm having over the last 24, 48 hours Uh is the conversation about Louis C.K. winning a Grammy. And, you know, it's like that's or or the slap. Like these are both like sort of perfect examples Mm -hmm. of the way traditional masculinity intersects with our lives or intersects with collides with pop culture um, in ways that spark really heated conversation. Mm-hmm. But there's not really, there's no show out there that is sort of designed to have that conversation right. where this one would be. Well, I had the most interesting kind of feeling about the on, the on Slap Day or whatever, because that there were, <laughs> it they had will done forever be known as Slap, slap day. day. But they had, had <laughs> uh, Regina Hall had done the whole, this whole bit where she was like feeling up the, brought the guys on stage and was like kind of feeling them up. And I'm like, ah, ha, ha, like with my family, my kids were watching it or whatever. And uh, I was like, hey, this is this is like a comedy bit. Don't don't worry about it. But just like, don't don't people should not put their hands on you. <laughs> like you know, I was like, just for well, the record, I'm like, this is all orchestrated. Like they've rehearsed. For the this. record, she had consent. She had consent. Like you know, yeah. I'm like, but in your life, I was like, kids, in your life, <laughs> no one's allowed to do that to you unless you agree to it beforehand, like right. they did, and they kind of like were pretending it's off the cuff, but they all know. And they were like, mother. Please, we mm-hmm. we know. Like we you've, know. you've drilled us, uh, we're aware. <laughs> Can you please shut up and shut allow up. us to enjoy <laughs> this thing? And I'm like, ain't you right? And then the slap happened, and I was like, God damn it! Like, don't people don't put hands on other people? Stop mm-hmm. it! <laughs> and they were like, Yes, we hear you. God, you're such a nag. <laughs> like, correct. <laughs> <laughs> and you and they're like you don't even have a job or a life outside of getting us omelets. I'm like that's right. I I live to serve. <laughs> well, and you are serving by serving. giving them those important serving. life lessons. Important that they are. They're hearing them. They're taking them in, and they will apply them when somebody insults their spouses. They <laughs> wait. I think they took the wrong. I think they took the wrong <laughs> lesson. Oh my God. All right. I thank you so much. It was oh, yeah. great talking to you. One day I hope we meet in person. Do you well, know what I mean? 
one day we'll have a TV show and we can. Yeah, then we can we like. can be like, hey, welcome to the office, Sam. Thanks for coming by. This is the stuff we're working on. We're going to do the whole Louis C.K. Grammy episode. Oh, what do you perfect. think? And oh, then you, God, yeah. I'm so into it. This is good. Right. Let's go get snacks. Perfect. It's just wall to wall Tostitos, hint of lime. Hmm. Like, I'm not saying that Tostitos Hint of Lime should send us both lifetime supplies, <laughs> but we have promoted their product. I've spoken free. enough about I've spoken enough about Tostitos mm-hmm. uh, in my social media that they actually do send me free. They do. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> <laughs> I have received many bags wow. of Tostitos from the Tostitos people, and nothing makes me happier than getting a free four dollar bag of Tostitos God. in the mail. Damn. So crunchy, <laughs> mouthwater, like literally salivating. All right, all right. Thank you so much. Okay, I got to squeeze in another quick break here. Oh God, he is funny. And I really, really like him so much. Yeah, but no opinions on soft pants. No. <laughs> oh, I forgot to we'll ask him, him all back. about his waistbands. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> That was a missed opportunity. God damn it. Got him back on Zoom. Okay. Well, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, back in 2012, which yes. feels like just, you when know, the that? decade ago that it actually was. <gasps> <gasps> it decade ago. Oh. Uh, Michael co-wrote a book with noted daughter of John McCain, Megan McCain, mm. called America, You Sexy Bitch, A Love Letter yeah. to Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. was surprising. Mm-hmm. If you had to write a book with any of the unpredictable following co-authors, what would it be about? Okay. If you and Sean Spicer co-wrote a book, <laughs> what Who's could it possibly me? be about? Who's compelling me to write a book with Sean Spicer? The Do money I have is to? really good. You know what, Svea? I'm not motivated by the money, okay? Anytime <laughs> wow. I yeah. decide the to... prestige is really good. The prestige. Of Sean Spicer. <laughs> Sean Spicer of it. Book with Sean Spicer. The only book I would write with Sean Spicer is Why Am I Such a Fucking Idiot by Sean Spicer. <laughs> and it's just pictures of him going, I don't know. And then it's just me writing, it's you a picture idiot. Book. It's a picture book. It's a crinkle book that toddlers, that toddlers learn texture on. And it's called Why Am I Such a Fucking Idiot. The end. Sorry. Oh, that was too spicy. I'm no, sorry. No. Nothing's too spicy for spicy. Can I swear on my own podcast? Yes, you have okay. done it several times. Every podcast. <laughs> oh. By the way. Okay. Okay. You've gotten lots of letters. Not oh, many. are they? Um, no. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> okay. So uh, this next one, I, I feel like uh, it's going to okay. go much better because it's yep. a close personal friend of yours, Ivanka Trump. Oh, my God. You couldn't make me. There is no amount of money <laughs> in the universe. There's no, there's, in order for us to write a book together, and I'm sure she feels the same way. It would be, it would need to be a threat, like a grievous threat. <laughs> that the tape. It comes out like if you don't write this book you with into her. writing a book with her. Not she. No, she would couldn't threaten me into writing a book with her. But like someone in the world, like a cartel, has me, and they're like, <laughs> "Okay, bitch, you have to write a book." They just kidnap the two of us, and we're and they're like, "You better write a book. Your only it's path out of here." It's a Sicario sequel. It's a Sicario. Sicario three, children's book. Um, <laughs> and that is those are the only conditions. <laughs> for your release for my release <laughs> all right what about uh tulsi gabbard never 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 that's never, the book right. title <laughs> just never like 30 times yes. <laughs> okay oh man that's oh, really no. funny okay. i hate this list it's scary well it's about to well, <laughs> here's the scariest person of all sort of visually okay. roger stone Ew. again i don't know what how much you're there's not you know what you have to have you have to have a a line you have to have you have to have lines for yourself red lines that you will not cross under any circumstances and uh you know that's uh that's just all of these people are red lines that i would not cross to collaborate there's no mm -mm, no no politics you'd feel comfortable writing something with no, because they're all terrible. <laughs> they're, they're terrible. You know what I mean? It's yeah. terrible. No. No. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. 
when I end my career in political comedy, there shall Which be no. Apparently, may or may not be today. <laughs> be today. Um, Flags will be lowered. To I uh, yeah. There will there shall be no intersection. There shall be no further conversations. I shall. <laughs> A shuffle off to Buffalo, I shall do a happy tap dance directly into um, some instant yeast and just start baking fantastic Ooh. loaves of bread for myself to enjoy. That's it. No, no collabs. Tambi doesn't do collabs. No, she does. She does. But just not books with political people. But God bless those who do. My answer for all of these collaborations is a coffee table book about seashells, and you have to give me um, all the money in the universe that exists, <laughs> and then I'm going to distribute it nicely so that there's no more hunger. The end. Great. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I would do a collaboration if it ended world hunger. Hmm. So maybe I should amend that. It doesn't have to be a Sicario setting. <laughs> I might do, I might actually do a collaboration if it ended a really critical problem for millions of people across the world. So if well, there's it, tons of those. There's you tons of those. Forever. Okay. All right. I'll do all of these collaborations. One of them has to reverse <laughs> the effects of climate change. One of us has to get us on a better energy path. Okay. <laughs> um, the other collab has to end world hunger. And uh, anyway, all right, you get the picture. <laughs> if we can solve these problems, then we can make our coffee table seashell book. Okay, great. <laughs> done and done. Please reach out. Okay. I hope you liked my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, please consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and follow full release in Apple Podcasts. And tell your friends, spread the word about this podcast. In the meantime, keep sending us your comments and questions to fullreleaseatsambi.com. They might even be featured in one of our special bonus episodes, exclusively available on Stitcher Premium. Don't forget to tune into Full Frontal with Samantha B. Thursdays, 10 p.m., TBS. And we'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Sophia Baron-Reinstein with IT and technical production provided by Hitech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Samantha B. It's obvious I had a Coca-Cola. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness.